podcraft. This episode is sponsored by Still Point Wellness. I love Still Point Wellness. I love the staff. I love their services. They offer a very unique spa experience in Asheville. All of their services are designed to help you unplug from the stresses of today's modern world. And boy, do we all need that. They do it through services like saltwater flotation, also known as sensory deprivation, the world-renowned Esalen massage, cranial psychotherapy, and somatic psychology. They are locally owned and operated by my dear friends, Corey Costanzo and Robin Fan Costanzo. Corey is a somatic therapist and he teaches mindfulness meditation courses. And Robin is an internationally renowned massage instructor who was actually inducted into the Massage World Hall of Fame. Their highly skilled massage staff have each trained under Robin and each earned full certification to practice Esalen Massage. I love Esalen Massage. I know it. I'm an Esalen Massage practitioner. It is a fantastic massage. Together, Koi and Robin have created a world-class experience in understanding the mind-body connection through deep relaxation. So contact them at stillpointwell.com or call 828-348-5372. And don't forget to mention discount code PREPO to get 10% off your first float and first Esalen massage. I really believe that you're going to love the experience. What I like to do is help people to realize that they can feel different sounds in their body and then it becomes like an inner massage. Then it becomes just a whole kaleidoscope of experience. Welcome everybody to the podcast Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. In today's episode, I had a conversation with a very, very dear friend of mine, Corey Costanzo. Corey wears many hats. I'm going to tell you about all the hats he wears. He earned a master's degree in clinical psychology with a concentration in somatic psychology. He's a trauma and anxiety specialist, a licensed clinical addiction counselor, a certified Esla massage and somatic experiencing practitioner, a music therapist, and a mindfulness meditation teacher. See, I told you he wears many hats. It keeps going. He also co-owns Still Point Wellness, an award-winning spa in Asheville, North Carolina. Corey balances his professional time by offering private sessions at Still Point Wellness, teaching students somatic psychology at the Center for Massage and Natural Health, and volunteering his time weekly at Asheville Community Yoga and the Buncombe County Jail, where he leads restorative yoga and didgeridoo meditation classes. And in today's episode, we surfed. We went from aspects of using sound as healing and transformation and also how it helps in attunement to your partner and in connection. We talked about how harmonics and vibration influence partnership. 
Corey also gave stories about playing the didgeridoo in the Buncombe County Detention Center. Very, very cool story. So I think that you're going to really enjoy the levels and the surfing that we took around vibration, attunement, and how that benefits and works in relationships. Well, it's good to be with you today. Likewise. Yeah, we get to rap a little bit. You know, one thing I want to rap about with you is one of your talents. You have a tremendous talent around uh, sound and music. Not only are you an incredible didgeridoo player, but you play different sound instruments um, to help with healing and transformation with people, putting them in a meditative state. And... Um, I'm curious to hear some of the things that you have to say, especially around something that my wife and I have been doing lately. She bought this bamboo chime, as you saw, and she's been using a lot on herself and with me. So we've been chiming each other, kind of like saging each other to kind of get into some aspect of harmonics for connection in our relationship. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, so I use sound as an awareness practice, and um, I like to think of it like uh, flipping reality on vibrations, on sensations, and on present moment experience. So most of us, we hear sounds, and we think, where's that sound coming from, and what's the content of that sound? And that's the way we frame our reality on the sounds that we hear around us. The content means that we interpret it and and rationalize what it is, yeah. conclude what it is. Exactly. So there's a there's a car alarms going off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we think to ourselves, "Oh, that's a car alarm." We hear it, we notice it, we remember it, and then we, we go, have, "Shit, I hope it's not my car." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the content of that sound is that there's a there's a car and there's an alarm and it's going off and it may or may not be my car. And most likely, if it's not my car, I'm annoyed by the sound. Right. So um, what I really like to do is, in my own practice and to uh, do with other people, is to see sound as vibration or hear sound as vibrations. Because that's really what sound is. Uh, it's vibration. It's these little sound waves that are coming. Sometimes it's low amplification and they're small waves and sometimes it's really big amplification and and the waves are really are really big and they pass through walls and other substances and they make their way to our ears and then we're able to tell what the sound is so you can flip that by feeling the sound Mm. right so there's an incredible documentary out there called uh, touch the sound i think it's called and it's this deaf drummer that's a world-class drummer and she plays in all the major cities in all over the world. She's a percussionist and she is totally deaf, 100% deaf. And she feels the sound and that's how she's able to be an incredible percussionist. So what I like to do is help people to realize that they can feel different sounds in their body. And then it becomes like an inner massage. Then it becomes just a whole kaleidoscope of experience that's totally different. So if I'm ever online at the grocery store, I'm at the DMV, I'm in my car in traffic, wherever I am, 
I just kick back and I start feeling the sounds and it's this whole other aspect of life that starts to come alive and it actually feels pretty good. Even if it sounds that I don't like, it could start feeling pretty good. Even if I get annoyed by a sound, I feel the annoyance in my body and I just breathe into that and it becomes this this game. Almost. Wow, yeah, like an exploration, like I was going to say. exploration yeah. of experience, oh. yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm just like right right now. I mean, I I love the sound of your voice. I love the sound of your laughter. Hopefully, I'm going to make your ass laugh a little bit so people uh. can hear. It. But um, you know, the harmonics. It's interesting for me. Of I love my wife's voice. The harmonics of her bo- voice gives a sensation of feeling to me that's of safety, of trust, of dreaming, of of course love. There was one time when we were at Esalen, when we were living at Esalen, she went to a workshop and I was uh, getting ready to fall asleep and I could hear her come down the pathway. Um, we lived in this little bamboo hut right off the cliff and I was sleeping and getting ready to sleep in the bed and she was coming down and she started, she was singing in different tones, my name. And as she got closer and closer, she was just singing in all types of harmonics my name. She got inside the hut and she started singing it around me. It was one of the most healing, uh, surreal, grounding uh, experiences that I ever had. And I, it still sits with me. And how healing the harmonics of especially coming from a love voice, somebody that we know cares about us so when you brought that up about feeling the sound yeah it's interesting how that came up for me lately for the last three months or so i've been uh, playing the didgeridoo and leading a guided meditation practice um, at the buncombe county detention center with incarcerated men wow and it has been such an incredible experience for me to sit with these men and to and to uh, practice meditation with them and to pass down some of the experiences and the techniques that I use for myself and to, and to, and to do it with them. And really quickly, what I realized was that they were very, very much beholden to sound. Like sound had them in chains. Not only were they locked up, but they were locked up with all these sounds around them that were triggering them left and right. The biggest one was the clickety-clop, the slippity-slip of the flip-flops that they wear. Mm. That was the number one sound that would irritate them the most. The second is the sound of the doors slamming and clicking. And they all said this. The third one was the people's voices and what they're saying. Because um, in this particular housing unit, there's about, I don't know, 60 or 70 of them. And they're in bunks. So they're in open open bunk beds that are um, just lined up, you know, 30, a row of 30, and then right next to it, another row of 30. So they're never alone. So all these sounds that they're that that they're hearing constant barrage of sounds so when we get and the lights also they said that they never fluorescent get, lights they, the that are yeah. buzzing yeah 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 the buzzing and the lights just coming down oppressively you know on them right so here i am in a room and it's day one and i just ask them you know i just hey you know 
how you guys doing? And, and, and those are the top things that you know, I say, oh man, you know, the sounds, the clippity clop and all, and all these things. So, so I thought, oh wow, what a perfect opportunity to talk about my experience with sound and how I've flipped my reality on sound. And it's really helped me to um, not suffer through any negative kind of experience with sound, but totally flip that. So I told them about it and they were totally into it. So then we did a meditation that I call the inside out meditation, where you spend you spend a few minutes focusing on the sounds around you, no matter what it is, but you're focusing on the sounds as vibrations and you're listening for the sounds. So we were hearing the air coming from the vent. We were hearing the elevator through the walls going up and down. And every now and again, there'd be a door slamming and clicking. And every now and again, um, you would hear something else. And, um, you know, and then they would, they would take their attention and put it inside their body, you know, so it's focusing on whatever they're experiencing in their inner experience, right? Emotions, the breath, whatever it is, I talk them through it. And then we would go outside sounds and then inside what they notice, right? So we did that for about, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. So then I asked for feedback and I said, okay, so tell me, tell me what, tell me what you noticed. What was it like? the best feedback that I got this one dude, he was like, he was like, Oh man, I feel so pissed off. And I was like, Oh really? What's going on? He's like, well, he's like, I heard nine toilet bowl flushes and I'm sitting there thinking toilet bowl flushes. My God, I didn't even almost hear a toilet bowl flush. Like I didn't even hear the air vent go on. I didn't hear a lot of this stuff that these guys heard. He's like, I heard nine toilet bowl flushes and six sinks go on. And I was like, oh, so so what's got you pissed off about that? And he's like, what's got me pissed off about that? He's like, dude, nine toilet bowl flushes and only six of those boys wash their hands. <laughs> and I just kicked back and I just couldn't help but laugh. I was like, oh, of course, of course. He's like, yeah. You know, they got to wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. And I just realized really fast that, you know, I had absolutely no clue about what their life was like. And I realized that they're so hyper vigilant to sound. They were hearing sounds that I didn't even almost hear. It was really amazing. Yeah. So you're taking almost their adverse experience with sound and you're flipping it. Yeah. For now them to have healing experiences and sound. T tell us how you did that. Right. So then I so then I took out my didgeridoo and as the second part of the meditation I played the didgeridoo for them for 20 minutes. And um what I asked them to do was the same exact thing in their experience. They listen to the sounds and the rhythm patterns of the didgeridoo but they feel it in their body as well. Did you did you play it in the circle or would you play it close to them like you when you did somebody that you played? Yeah. The first month, I just stayed in my seat and I didn't move. Giving them the boundary. Yeah. Yep. And I had like maybe three or four participants, right? Out of uh, 10 was the max. And then um, one week, I just decided to, you know, and I was just putting out three or four chairs because that's how, how many were coming. Then one week, I was like, you know, I'm going to put out 10 chairs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. I'm going to put out 10 chairs and... I'm just going to trust that these chairs are going to be filled up. And sure enough, 
that week that I did that, 10 chairs got all filled up. And most of them were with men who were there prior weeks. So then I said to them, I gave them a choice. I said, hey, listen, I can I can play the didgeridoo kind of sitting where I am, or I can bring it a little closer to you. So raise your hand if, if you're okay with that. And they all raised their hand. They wanted the didge to be closer to them. Um, so then I started playing into their chest, into their knees, uh, you know, over over mm. them and like around the room in different kind of patterns, so that they could feel it a little bit, a little bit more. And they were really, they were really appreciative. And some of the feedback that I was getting just absolutely blew my mind away. Do you have some of that feedback? I want to hear some of it. I do. Okay, so it's about it's about ten quotes that I have from you know of the best quotes shoot from, from these months. Okay, number one. For a minute there, I forgot all about my problems. Number two, 10 minutes felt like four hours, and I figured out a lot of stuff. Number three, I was able to travel to another place in my mind. Number four, I was able to create my own endorphins and feel them all throughout my body. These guys are just regular just regular Joes just in jail, and they're, and they're having this experience. Very, very limited meditation practice. Very, mm. very little. Number five, I never realized how powerful the mind is. Number six, this one was really, really touched my heart. I decided to stop using heroin after that experience. He told me that he had a vision dur- dur- during the didgeridoo, you know, because I told him about the didgeridoo. And if, if anyone listening doesn't know about the didgeridoo, the Aborigine peoples, uh, first peoples of Australia, you know, 2,500 years ago, uh, used the didgeridoo, and they still do now in their culture as a way to enter a state of the dream time where they would go on these epic journeys um, through the, the the dream time, which is like... Um, trance-like. Trance-like state, yeah. It's like, um, you know, not sleeping, but not awake, called the dream time. It's like tapping into the collective unconscious is what, you know, is what it is. So, so, this, so this fella journeyed to his bedroom where he said that he has a stash of heroin and he said as soon as he gets out, he would have gone to this stash and he would have used and that would have just started the cycle again. That would have started again. But he said after, after journeying back there, he decided that he's done. And he, the next phone call he said he was going to make was to his roommate to go to that secret stash and just get rid of it. And he's like, if it's not there when I go home, I have a much better chance of never using again. Wow. Yeah. Was, so so you're playing the didgeridoo potentially could stop this guy from like using again and having a relapse. Did you ever imagine that playing the didge somebody would have that kind of <laughs> reaction to it? Never yeah. in a million years. But 20 years ago when I first started to play the didge, I wanted to meditate and I decided, "Oh, if I play the learn how to play the didge and consider that my meditation practice, just day by day, just a little bit more, a little bit more, then after some time I'll be able to play for other people and share my meditation practice uh-huh. with other people and then it'll be a win-win for everybody." Right. So at Actually, from the beginning, I did I did have the thought that this was going to be a way for me to share my gifts with the world around me, um, and that's and that's totally come true. And that's the reason why I volunteer, you know, doing this once a week, and then once a week I volunteer doing this at the uh, at Asheville Community Yoga. Hey, man, I just had this thought. <laughs> I just had this thought about we 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 should try to collaborate. I mean, what what that might be like if you do that to couples, like if I if I'm having a couple session. 
at you playing the didge to see if it changes any aspects of their harmonics, how they feel about each other, how they process something. I, I don't know, it just came to me about something of a healing process between people and relationships. Let's do it. Done. I could feel my heartbeat and the blood going through my veins. Next one. It felt like time stopped and I can choose which thoughts to let go of. Wow. Right? So can you imagine like somebody's incarcerated under so much stress, constant violation, constant uh, stress of like, you know, getting their boundaries crossed and they're having experiences like this. Next one. I've remembered for the first time being in the helicopter lifted to the hospital. And this is somebody that said he OD'd and died three times in that helicopter. And he said that he said that he's never been able to remember details of being in the helicopter until that experience with the didgeridoo. Wow. Yeah. So the next one. I remembered the time I drowned and was brought back to life. And then I just let it all go. So I wasn't even talking about trauma with them. I mean, I gave minimal instruction to these men. You know, it was more just, hey, just let your subconscious take you wherever you want to go and just feel your body as I play. And this is the stuff that they that Do you they recall what you were feeling when you were playing? No. Hmm. I don't. Do you usually recall what you're feeling? Are you conscious of what you're feeling when you're playing or yeah, do you, yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes I'm conscious of what I'm what I'm feeling. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll go out, you know. Um I'm also in a dark room that has like a door that's only, you know, maybe six inches propped open. Mm. And, you know, I'm with you know, 10 incarcerated men that, you know, some of them I know, but some of them it's the first time that I'm meeting them. So, you know, sometimes, you know, every now and again. What about when you're just playing for anybody or yourself? Are you conscious of your, of your own thoughts or do you get lost in the, in the, the vibration of, of the sound within yourself? A little bit of both. Mm. Yeah. A little bit of both. I felt like I went through an African ceremony and experienced death and rebirth. And now the last one was really touching. It took me back to when my mother died when I was, no, sorry. It took me back to when my daughter died when I was 15 years old. And for the first time, it wasn't a bad memory and I was able to forgive myself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That one's kind of open-ended. Oh, it was really, really touching. Oh man, you got you got a nice gig there. It was amazing how it happened too. <laughs> how did you get it? Well, I was just I was having all these dreams about getting incarcerated. <laughs> really, I was like, so I started really getting into um, like shows about prison and shows about jail and Netflix and and you were dreaming about like keeping your did you do in case you had to escape and use it as a tool or something. Huh? Uh, no, no. But, but, but that would have been a nice, a nice dream. No, I was just having all these daydreams and I started listening to this incredible podcast that was, um, uh, it's called ear hustle. It was, it was, it was recorded. Um, it's recorded inside of, um, federal penitentiary in, uh, what's the one in San Francisco? The one that's on the Island. 
Alcatraz. Alcatraz. I think it's Alcatraz. Oh, no, maybe it's not, it's not Alcatraz. Alcatraz is closed. Man. Oh, it's closed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a freaking museum, man. It's a museum. <laughs> it was recorded in the museum. No, it was recorded was in, in your dream. In man. some penitent federal penitentiary outside of San Francisco. Anyway, yeah. I've been listening to that podcast. I just couldn't get enough. And I just had the feeling that I wanted to work with this population of people. Um, and sure enough, just out of nowhere on Facebook comes a call from men to teach meditation and yoga um, through this great nonprofit organization called Light a Path. So that's that's who I contacted and turned out that I knew some of the people that started it and I knew lots of the people that were working there and it was just a perfect fit and that's how I started doing it. And it's it's one of my best hours of the week. It is precious to me. Mm, you do that once a week now? I do it once a week, yeah. Friday is like my day of service. So once a week, uh, every Friday I play there. And um, don't worry, you don't have to get yourself incarcerated to hear me play the didgeridoo. <laughs> Where else do you play? Because then I play at Asheville Community Yoga every four, uh, every Friday at 4 o'clock. And that's a donation-based yoga center, donation-based class. So you can, you can come experience it. And that one's a little bit more cush, you know? Because it's got all the props, it's got the yoga mat, and, and and it's just all variations of shavasana. You're just relaxing on the floor. Yeah. So, you know, I like to think of uh, resonance, harmonic resonance, and attunement, kind of like, let's say you're, you're bouncing a basketball, right? And you're keeping it low to the ground, so you're bouncing it really fast. And then, and then, you, and then with the other hand, or let's say your partner is bouncing a basketball really high and slow, right? So picture that in your mind. I am. You're, you're, you're giving me the, the visuals right now. I can see it. Yeah. One hand is going really yeah. fast and the other hand is going really slow up and down. Um, so now now let's say those two basketballs start to start to bounce in sync now. Now they're bouncing in sync. That's like harmonic resonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like coherence. Like coherence, yeah. And I know you know a lot about heart rate variability and uh, coherence of the heart, um, especially through HeartMath Institute. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and just the aspect of how emotional attunement I think is really important you know, to, to emphasize because what you're talking about is from a vibrational level, a lot of people don't realize how important attuning to the people in their life, people in their relationships are. And that means paying attention. That means moving towards somebody and attuning where they're at by being a really good listener, by, of course, not reacting and being able to acknowledge and validate somebody's experience. But attunement is is vital in any healthy relationship. So it has that commonality that, that you're talking about from a from a vibrational level. I think that we we feel that from a safety and trust standpoint, that vibration. Um, and that usually comes in when we're really feeling somebody, let's say, who is appreciative, who is respectful of us, who cares about us. We also really feel if somebody is frustrated, annoyed, resentful, um, that kind of attunement, of course, is a negative attunement to relationships. So attunement is a positive attunement and negative attunement. And I think we have to really pay attention to which one. Like, let's say your kid falls down and scrapes her knee. Right? A negative attunement would be the parent that 
goes over to the kid and says something like, you're so clumsy. How come you're always falling down, scraping your knee? Now get up. Now go wash that off. You just ripped your jeans now that I just bought you. Your brand new jeans. Right? That's a negative. I, I think even, uh, you're right. That's a great example because what came up for me was when my son Xander was small and he actually got hurt on the playground and he came running to me. Yeah. And I remember when he came running to me, I looked at him and I said, what, what, what happened? Tell dad what happened. And my wife just looks at me and she said, why don't you just hold around him? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to find out what's wrong with him so I can help him. He goes off and he goes playing a little bit more. 15 minutes later, something similar happens. He comes running up to me and I just picked him up and I just held him. I just didn't say a word. And within 20 seconds, he's squirming away to go play. And I thought to myself, holy shit, he just needed a witness of his experience. He needed me to attune just to him in that aspect of acceptance, not trying to fix anything, not trying to move it, just be with him in that moment. It was such a healing realization for me about how to actually attune in silence and attune in uh, intentional presence. Beautiful, beautiful. So many times we're looking to we're looking to solve other people's problems. Right. We're looking to you know we're looking to fix fix them or you know make it better. Where exactly all that's really needed is just to show up and hold space with an open heart and a loving heart mm. and just to really, really see that person. Yeah, that's attunement. It's a yeah. beautiful word. It's a beautiful concept. And um, and we need to we need to attune to ourselves first. You know, I mean, we hear that over and over, but that is so vital. If not, if I'm not attuned to my own knowing of my own alignment, of my own groundiness, how am I going to be able to attune to somebody else? That's right. Yeah. And that's when those beautiful images start to come. That's when the healing starts to come from the inside out. Like some of the men that are incarcerated that had some of those incredibly cathartic and healing experiences just from listening to the didgeridoo and looking at it from the lens of attunement and the lens that uh, and the context that I that I offered them, you know, the possibility that I offered them, then the subconscious starts to do the own work, starts to do the own healing, and the subconscious will 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 kind of like a softball pitch, you know, will just like lay up whatever is the next step, whatever's needed, the next step. It's also that aspect of trusting in that process. If we're really present in the aspect of feeling the attunement that the next step will also show itself of what we need to do, what would be beneficial and supportive, whether it's to us or what we need to say to somebody else. Yeah. That's the beauty of regular practice with self-attunement and self-care and, and, and um, taking time. Then we give the inner self and, and, and we, we give the inner self the opportunity to really show what it wants, what it needs. You know, the attunement is even, um, I think of, it's interesting, it just came to me of like, I was thinking, yeah, let's talk about how to, what do we do to attune ourselves in our day? One thing that I do is I make sure I try to get to the office a half hour before, um, you know, my session, at least that. Sometimes I sit, I can sit for about 15 minutes of meditation, but there's something about attuning and grounding myself 
even just in my space, if I'm just straightening it out, if I'm even maybe writing something or just standing, sometimes I just like to just be in there and just calm myself. So if I'm attuning myself, I'm attuning my space. And when people walk in it, I believe that they're feeling that I'm already engaged or being present with them before they even walk in. So I'm kind of attuning my space. And I think a lot of times we don't think about what it is to attune our space. Beautiful. To be able to hold space for for someone else. It's kind of like a a musician tunes his or her instrument before they play. Right. You know, the the same exact thing. We can all, if we all really attuned ourselves before we uh, met with the other person. Exactly. Or, that, you know, that, that's a yeah. beautiful, that's a beautiful um, discipline to have. There's a lot of times I have a long commute. As you know, you just came, you did the 50 minute commute tonight that you came by. And I try when I come into my driveway, I try to shut off my vehicle. Well, I don't try. I shut off my vehicle and I start taking some breaths and really stay present with this transition that I just drove and I, whether I listen to some podcasts or some music or try to wash my day, but I'll take a few minutes and think, all right, how do I want to be when I walk into this door? I'm going to meet some people that I love and care about. How do I want to be? How do I want to attune my own energy to be open, to be caring, to be loving, to be kind to be compassionate. When I do that attunement, it really doesn't matter what fate, what um, what I'm walking into. If I'm walking into a little bit of stress or a little chaos, which I usually don't, um, I'm kind of blessed with that. But if I'm walking into maybe non-attention, maybe my wife is busy doing something else, I'm able to move through that with less complaint, um, less irritation, because I'm already attuned into how I want to be. So I think it's so vital that we actually think about attuning ourselves to what kind of person that we want to be, what kind of partner do we want to be, and actually visualize ourselves actually doing that and seeing ourselves. So I haven't really used that word in that way of attuning. I usually use visualization more than attunement. So now I'm going to start using that more. I love that prepo. That is just such a beautiful ingredient to the recipe of a successful relationship and a successful life. Hmm. You know, successful relationship to the self first and then to the partner and then all around in life. It makes me think of that uh, study, uh, this research study. It's a very famous one where they took a high school basketball team and and they uh, broke them up into three groups. The first group practiced, uh, practiced, uh, did a hundred, all three groups did a hundred free throws. And then they logged how many, how many each person in each group got in. And then they did a week of practice, right? The first group practiced all day long, free throws after free throws after free throws. The second group, all they practiced was visualizing free throws. The third group didn't practice at all whatsoever. So after the week, they brought them back. They had them each do 100 free throws. And that first group that practiced free throws all week long, sure enough, they increased, I don't know, whatever it was, maybe 15% 
greater from practicing. The second group that just visualized practicing free throws, same exact amount of increase, 15%. And then the third group that didn't practice at all, 0% increase. Mm. So imagine, so that's the power of the mind, right? And that's that's what one of the incarcerated men realized from you know listening to the didgeridoo and experiencing the didgeridoo. Wow, the mount, the mind is so powerful, and that's what you're talking about with self attunement before you come home, or before you go into a difficult situation or any situation, you know, at work with your clients. You know, it's that self-attunement. And, and the more that we do it, I know the more that I do it, I sink into it faster. It doesn't right. have to be a long process. It's a quick uh, focus and grounding of attuning. Yeah. And um, then the response from that attunement um, comes just in alignment and it comes in a, I don't want to say a, a, a certain force, but it comes in a certain uh, energetics that I think is so important. So... It doesn't take a, a whole lot of efforting. I think what it takes is just the more presence and shutting out everything else, you know, because part of the attunement for me is very much focusing on appreciations and focusing on what it is that I have and how gr- grateful and blessed that I feel in certain things and certain people. I mean, even before our hangs, I get really excited. You know, I'm thinking about it throughout the day and my breaks, something about... Oh, where are we going to go to eat? What are we going to talk about? And yeah. I'm already kind of attuning into the connection that I'm anticipating you and I having. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is, is design. You des, you're designing your life hmm. with, with awareness and with thought and in a really, in a really beautiful, mindful, mindful way. And it feels good. You know, the aspect of, attuning that way or visualizing and and uh, designing i like that too designing i'd rather design something that feels good instead of designing some disaster some catastrophe some right you know worry something that that's not going to do what so many people do so many people think about they attune they negatively attune they attune right. towards the negative and then they attract that of which they were attuning to because they see it they expect it And that's the aspect of just seeing more of it. That's right. So the work that I do with addictions with, with, with people, I feel like plays into this because if somebody is hung over, then they're not attuning with themselves. It's like playing a concert with a mistuned guitar. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, it's much harder it's much harder to tune into the vibration of life, the positive vibration of life or of relationship or that synchronicity, like the two basketballs bouncing at the same at the same height. It's much harder to do that if my body's hurting and aching and hungover and um, you know my liver is working overtime to uh, you know to process all the poison that was just put into it. It's much harder to show up for life in an attuned way for my family, for my partner, for myself. You know, if if my body's having to use all that energy processing that. Right. I like that. Yeah, it's just the aspect of understanding that it's just that not a mind focus, but we have to attune to the vibration of what's happening in our bodies. And 
that's the beautiful practice of somatic psychology of bringing the understanding of the uh, focus of the body and how it works with the mind and that is so integrated and we can't separate the two out and that's a wonderful example to be able to I can't be able to attune my thoughts if my body is not an attuned apparatus and I I have so much respect for people that um, have challenges with their bodies or diseases or or impairment that with some force that they're able to really focus their mind to do some incredible work or some uh, being some incredible passionate um, loving human beings but I know for myself boy when my body is racked when I throw out my back um, when I'm in pain it's very difficult to attune myself in a positive way that's right well cool man this was a good good navigation we went to some nice different places uh, I can't wait to do it again <laughs> so much fun thanks brother yeah all right Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit HeartShareCounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at AdiTheMonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us.